Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of 2 Peter. The book of 2 Peter and chapter number 1. The book of 2 Peter and chapter number 1. We are still at the very beginning stages of our series dealing with the Holy Scriptures. And what we're planning on doing is taking about 24 messages to kind of examine the Scriptures. To see what the Bible has to say concerning itself on its source. Where did it come from? On its preservation. On how we got the scriptures. Can we trust the Bible that we have in our hand? And can we defend that belief from the Bible? And that's what we aim to do. Now we explained that this morning as we talked about all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We explained from that passage that that was going to be the basis, the foundation that we're going to build the whole series off of with the idea that God inspired his word. And we're talking about which words? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. I want to build upon that tonight by taking another passage of scripture that speaks about the inspiration. I made reference to it this morning, but I want to examine this passage just a little bit more in detail and then examine a little more passages to kind of verify what I said to be true. And I want to start, if you don't mind, in the book of 2 Peter chapter number 1. The book of 2 Peter chapter number 1. And notice with me in 2 Peter chapter 1, and let's begin at verse number 16. First, or 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. And we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, will you mark that last phrase that we find in the book of 2 Peter chapter number 1? 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 21, where it's said, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And with this, I would like to have a more doctrinal title here, just to kind of give an understanding of what we're hitting tonight. And I would like to explain more about verbal plenary inspiration. Verbal plenary inspiration. We'll define these terms in just a bit, but we want to hit this message and study this idea about inspiration, diving a little bit deeper about verbal plenary inspiration. For those of you spelling challenged, it is V-E-R-B-A-L, verbal, plenary, P-L-E-N-A-R-Y, verbal plenary inspiration inspiration. And we want to explain to you in a little bit more detail what we started this morning. We explained that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now we want to further define what do we mean by that. We don't just mean that God gave us the scriptures. We want to explain in detail what we believe to be true from the Bible concerning inspiration. The verbal 
plenary inspiration of Scripture. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for the great privilege it is to be in your house, to gather around your word. And I'm praying that you would build upon this, that everyone that hears this, that we could take this, we could study it, we could know it for ourselves, that we could be able to explain it to someone else. This, what the Bible has to say concerning inspiration of itself, that we could be able to have an understanding, a foundation to help other people understand how important the Word of God is. Now again, I dare not just trust my intellect, what I've learned, what we've put together. Lord, I depend upon your Spirit to open up your Word in a special way and for your Spirit to make it make sense, to come alive inside of everyone's heart, that they would have an understanding that came from you. So Lord, we just express our dependence upon you and the expectation that you would do your own work. Thank you for giving us your word and help us to love it even more. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you don't mind, the first thing I want to do is just kind of examine the context of this so that way we could get a full idea of what the passage is saying. In 2 Peter chapter number 1 and verse 16, Peter is now trying to be an encouragement to the scattered brethren. And as the Lord Jesus Christ had prophesied when he told Peter that Simon Peter, when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. This is still part of that encouragement, that fulfillment that the Lord Jesus Christ had given to Peter through the books of 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And so as in the book of 2 Peter, Peter himself taking pen and paper under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to encourage the people to try to strengthen them up in their own personal walk with the Lord. He starts off in verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. He says, I want to let you know right away, you're not believing in fairy tales. This isn't a crutch. This isn't a mythology. This isn't something that we've passed down from one to another just to keep our stories alive. We have not believed cunningly devised fables. We're not believing in something that someone came up with and tried to put together. But instead, we believe in something that's true. And he's trying to encourage you. You're not listening to when someone opens the Bible. You're not listening to some story. You're not listening to a fairy tale. You're listening to something that is true. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, he's recalling to the people there, he says, Listen, I'm not telling you something that I heard that I'm passing along. I'm telling you, I saw him. Imagine the great privilege that Peter and the other disciples had to be able to travel with Jesus Christ for three and a half years. Imagine what it would be like when Jesus Christ had a crowd of 5,000 men and by a supernatural ability took two lo lo or five loaves and two fishes and fed the entire crowd. Imagine what that would be like. Imagine what it would be like to travel with Jesus Christ and go to um, the uh, funeral at Nain. And as he's going across the funeral, he's got a whole crowd of people and he stops and they cross at the funeral. And they're carrying the, the casket. They're like, you're in the way. And he says, hey, the person in there is not dead. What do you mean he's not dead? He's my son. He's dead. Now, get up. And the guy got up. In the middle of the casket. Imagine what that would be like. Imagine if you wouldn't mind. Some blind guy. In the middle of the street crying out. Jesus. Jesus the son of David. Have mercy on me. And everyone's telling. Shut up old man. You're in the way. And Jesus comes to the old man. Jesus spits in the dirt. And takes that mud. And puts it in the man's eyes. And then the man for the first time in his entire life can see. Imagine what that would be like to travel with Jesus, to experience those things. Well, Peter didn't just experience those things. Out of those 12, Jesus was part, or uh, Peter was part of the inner circle of Jesus. And he got to experience some things that the other disciples didn't get to experience at all. 
One of them, Peter explains to the reader in the book of 2 Peter chapter number 1. Notice with me in verse number 17. For he, Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from that excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Now here's Peter. He says... I was an eyewitness. I'm not just telling you something I heard. I was an eyewitness of these things. We watched Jesus. In fact, there was one time that Jesus took me, James, and John, and he took us to a holy mountain. And there we were praying, and to be honest, I fell asleep. But when I woke up, I was surprised to see Moses historical Moses, the one that we read about, you know, Pharaoh, let my people go. He was there. And then Elijah, you know, Elijah, the one who rained down fire and killed the prophets of Baal, that Elijah, he was there. It wasn't a figment of my imagination. I was awake then. And there was Moses. And there was Elijah. And they were talking with Jesus. And we looked at Jesus and Jesus was transfigured. That word transfigured carries the idea of turning inside out. Remember that Jesus Christ was God robed in flesh. And in the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus temporarily took off that robe. And just for a moment, Peter got to see the glory of God. And of course, Peter being stupid, had foot and mouth disease. He said, let's write two, three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for Jesus. And Jesus said, eh. And God spoke from heaven and said, this is my son and whom I well pleased. Now, don't let that pass you by. He heard the voice of God speak from heaven. That's quite an experience. Can you imagine what a privilege that would be like to see historical Moses talking, Elijah talking? And by the way, what were they talking about? They were talking about Jesus going to the cross and Jesus dying on the cross for everyone's sin. That's what their discussion was about. And then they watched Jesus take off that robe. Imagine what that would be like. And then to hear the voice of God, what an experience. And Peter said, this is true. I was there. But then notice what he says in verse number 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as a light that shineth to a dark place until the day dawn and the dark star rise in your hearts. Now, this is what Peter is saying. He says, let me tell you. The things that I saw about Christ, they're real. They're not fairy tales. I saw them myself. There was a time that I saw Jesus transfigured. I saw Jesus. I heard the voice of God. But let me tell you, you have something better than that. You have a more sure word of prophecy. Something better than seeing Jesus and hearing the voice of God. Yes, you have the word of God. Now that's a pretty bold statement. That the word of God is better than any experience. Why is that? Well, because an experience can only be lived by that one person. It could be explained, but they don't get the same effect. For example, I can tell you a story and I can embellish it. I could go ahead and tell you the details that one day I would decided to go skydiving. And as we get skydiving, of course, you got to check the pack and you got to make sure you check your own pack that makes sure everything's up because you need that parachute to launch. I meant you only get one mistake in skydiving, okay? And you don't want to get that one mistake. It's all right. It's funny. It's laugh. It's good. So... But you check your pack. You make sure that everything's good in it. And then they put you on a perfectly good plane that it's not going to crash. And then you pay good money to go through the course and whatnot. And then you jump from the plane. But let me tell you, that pack gets heavy. They open up the door and you could feel the wind in your face. You could go ahead and take a deep breath of what little air you have up there. You could just open the door. It's exhilarating. Opening the door, you could feel what it's like. You could have that, that, that scared nervousness inside. And then you brave and they say go and you jump. 
And it seems like at that moment, you're flying. The, the feeling of flying and floating. To feel the air going around you. To look at the horizon and just see it just floating there. To see the beautiful mountains. It was in Arizona. And to see the mountains. To see the beautiful desert. To see the sunshine. And to be able just to go down in that moment of flying. Oh, it's wonderful. Then finally you take the chute and you pull it. And the jerk as it feels. And... And then you're told that when you land, you're supposed to make sure you bend your knees because if you straighten your, your legs, you're just going to break them. And so you bend your knees and then fall and roll. And then the experience, let me tell you, there's nothing like it. And I could tell you about that experience all day long, but it is not the same effect for you as it is for the person who went through that experience. All you could do is kind of hear the story. This is why Peter said, you have a more sure word of prophecy. You know, experience can differ from person to person. They have a different feeling. Some person who get pushed off the plane or jump off the plane, they, they may be scared. They may say, this is the worst thing ever. Other person says, I need this again. They have a different experience, a different way of interpreting it. But the Bible says we have a more sure word of prophecy. Better than any experience is the word of God. This is better than any experience. Peter is saying, as great as that was, you have something better. You have something that will not change, something that will not err, something that comes from God himself, something that you could take to the bank every time, something that in the story it won't embellish, exaggerate, the fish was this big. This is something that is a sure word of prophecy. This is something that you could depend upon every time to trust God's word. You have a more sure word of prophecy. Now with that in mind, he then dives in and explains why this is a more sure word of prophecy. Notice with me in verse number uh, 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Why is the Bible better than experience? Because Experience will differ from person to person, even if they experience the same exact thing. Their experience, their reaction to that matter is going to be different. The Bible is not of any private interpretation. What does that mean? That means the Bible doesn't mean something to you and then it means something different to me. When God wrote it down, he had one interpretation, one meaning behind it. Now, there may be many applications, but there's one interpretation. That means that we're not looking for what does it mean to you and what does it mean to me. This is a more sure word of prophecy because we can actually study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman rightly dividing the word of truth, that we can actually study and find out what did God mean. And if you are studying properly and I'm studying properly, God's not going to tell us something different. We could study properly and come to the same interpretation if we follow the correct things that God meant one thing by it. That's a wonderful thing. It's something that does not differ from person to person. It's always going to mean the same thing. There may be different applications, but one interpretation. That's one reason why it's a more sure word of prophecy. Then he goes on and says, let me tell you something else. He says, for the prophecy came not by the will of man. Meaning that some guy didn't wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to write some Bible today. It didn't happen because some man chose to write scripture. But instead, holy men of God. These are men who were separated unto God for his use. Holy men of God were moved by the Holy Ghost. We understand why is the Bible a more sure word of prophecy? Why can we trust it? Because man did not write it. Again, man's experience can vary from time to time. Man was the instrument used. God was the author. God was the author. And we can trust God's word. This Bible is better than any experience. This Bible is a more sure word of prophecy. This is what we need to depend upon. 
Now with this, as we kind of got the context and had an understanding, let's now go back and explain what we mean by verbal plenary inspiration. We spoke about inspiration before and we explained that this is God breathed and it is a theological term that is given to explain that God gave us the scriptures. God breathed the scriptures. But let's define what kind of inspiration do we mean? What do I mean when I say inspiration? Well, Today, we find that we have to define our terms so that way people aren't confused. So we define our terms. We believe in verbal, plenary inspiration. First of all, verbal. The word verbal carries the idea of word for word. Word for word. When used with inspiration, it carries the idea that the very words of Scripture is inspired. God gave us the exact words of scripture. We can trust it because God is the author. We believe that God gave us each word of scripture, the very words itself. May I show you some things in the Bible to kind of illustrate that this is what the Bible teaches. Notice with me in 2 Samuel, the book of 2 Samuel. We're going to turn to quite a few scriptures because the Bible speaks about this quite often and gives illustrations. 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. In the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23, David is getting towards his deathbed and it's going back and it's kind of explaining some of the life and history of David. And as it talks about David, notice if you don't mind in uh, chapter 23, let's start in verse 1. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 1. Now these be the last words of David. David the son of Jesse said, And the man who was raised up on high, anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweetest psalmist of Israel said. Now notice that God is giving this history and trying to explain. He's the sweetest psalmist of Israel. He was someone who was a man of God. He was anointed by God. But this is what David said as he in the... uh, end of his life. Verse number two, the spirit of the Lord spake by me and his word was in my tongue. Notice this, God gave David the words to say. It was in his tongue and David, the sweetest psalmist of Israel, anointed by God, spake the words that God gave him. What do we mean by this? This is what we're trying to illustrate, that we believe in verbal inspiration. That God gave David, as was listed here, the very words to say. And by the way, it was God's Holy Spirit. That holy men of God were moved, as, or spake as the Holy Spirit moved them. We believe that the Holy Spirit spake to David, and David spake the very words that God intended him to speak. Notice again as we go to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 2. 1 Corinthians 2. Again, I'm trying to illustrate that we believe that God gave us the very words. This is very important in how we approach the Bible. Do we believe in verbal Uh, inspiration. Yes, we believe that God gave us the very words, but more importantly, what do we believe? What does the Bible say? The Bible states that God gave the men the very words to say. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is the Apostle Paul is talking to the church of Corinth and trying to explain that it was God that was working through Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 2. And verse number 13, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 13, which things also we spake not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, which things we spake, he says, let me tell you, this was not because I'm smart. I did not say these things and give these scriptures and put these things down because I'm an intelligent guy. But instead, the Holy Ghost teacheth. Notice again, we see the idea of words. Not in the words which the man speak wisdom teacheth, but the words implied which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Here the Apostle Paul says, let me tell you, it's not my words. The Holy Ghost gave me the words. 
and I gave you those words. That we see the verbal inspiration of God. God gave each word. He gave the very words. Notice with me in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, still speaking about David as it's making reference. Acts chapter 1. Notice again as the Bible is making reference to David dealing with the idea of inspiration. How did David get the words? Notice in Acts chapter 1 and verse 16. Acts chapter 1 and verse 16. Men and brethren, this scripture, notice the word scripture. The word scripture means the holy writings. It implies that these are the things that God gave. Anytime you see the word scripture in the Bible, it makes the implication that these are the holy writings. These are the very writings that God gave to us. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake. Now notice this, they're recognizing that David was the penman, but it was the Holy Ghost that gave the words. Now again, they're trying to come to a decision, what do we need to do? And notice, where did they go to find wisdom to get their decision? They went to the scriptures. Why? Because it wasn't David's words. It was God's words. That God was the force. David was the penman. Holy men of God spake as the Holy Ghost moved them. So what we understand is that God is the one who gave the words. We see this as verbal inspiration. But we find today that people question inspiration and that we, they have a misunderstanding. So we find that we have to further define what do we mean when we say inspiration. Now let me pause. You may not realize that there's a big controversy. There is a lot of people who may say sure I believe the Bible's inspired but they do not believe the very words of God is inspired. So we have to explain what do we mean by this so that way they're not confused Whenever you deal with someone, define your terms as clearly as possible so there's no misunderstandings. We believe in inspiration. What do we mean by that? Well, we believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of God. The next word I want to define for you is the idea of plenary. The word by itself means full. When it refers to inspiration, it carries the idea of each and every. So when we talk about the verbal plenary inspiration of scripture, we believe that God gave each and every word. When I talk about each and every word, I mean every word like the word and. It's interesting. Let me just teach you something outside of the lesson here. How specific God gets. There are many times in the Bible where God gives a biblical list. And in that biblical list, he puts the word and in between that list, between each person. Now, normally when we would give a list, let's say that I want to go to the grocery store. I need to get spaghetti noodles, sauce, Parmesan cheese, uh, garlic bread, and sweet tea. So I would put the and at the very end to tie in the list. However, in scripture, when God wants to place the emphasis inside of a list, he will say each thing and have the word and in between it. This is a literary device that is used to cause the reader to slow down and to pay attention to everything on that list. By the way, God gave that word and in the list. So when we talk about the verbal plenary inspiration of God, we are talking that God gave every word, including the ands. God gave each and every word of the scripture. May I prove this from the scriptures? Turn with me to the gospel record of Matthew chapter 4. The gospel record of Matthew chapter 4. Now, in the gospel record of Matthew 4, Jesus Christ has been driven out to the wilderness to have be tempted by Satan. He's fasted for 40 days. He's been without food, been without water. And Satan comes to tempt him. And he's trying to cause Jesus to use his deity, his powers, which he had the ability to do, to do them just for himself. If you ever notice in the life of Christ, Jesus never used his deity powers for himself. 
He did it for others. He never used him for himself because he was supposed to be the example of man and be the example to follow. So Satan comes up to him and tells him, hey, why don't you make this stone's bread? That way you can eat. You don't have to be hungry. By the way, just another note, just as a remembrance. It's amazing to see how many times food is a temptation. Just put on later on for America. We need that message later on. Food is a temptation and we're often tempted by food. Amen. A different message. I'm hungry now. Good. Verse number four. But he, Jesus, answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but notice this, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Why would he say every word if not every word of the word of God was not inspired? Here God, Jesus himself, is placing emphasis as he's talking to Satan. And we learn something about the Bible here. That every word is inspired. Every word is important. Every word is what we're supposed to live by. Every word. This is what we mean by the verbal plenary inspiration of scripture. That God just didn't give us the Bible. He gave us the words. Which words? Every Word. Now, this is important because most Christians do not believe what I'm teaching you here. However, I'm not telling you to believe things because I said it or because you're in this church or whatnot. I'm saying this is what the Bible says. You come to your own conclusion. But we believe from the scriptures that they teach that God gave us each and every word. Notice, if you don't mind, in the book of Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter number 30. Again, I can't show you all the passages. I'm just giving you some highlights. Proverbs chapter number 30. Proverbs 30, and notice with me in verse number 5. Proverbs 30, in verse number 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. By the way, this idea of pure carries that same idea of inspiration, meaning it came from God. It's unpolluted. It comes straight from him. Every word of God. It didn't just say some words of God. Maybe some of the words of God. Partial words of God. It says every word of God is pure. Turn with me again to 2 Timothy chapter 3 where we were at this morning. Again, I'm not trying to teach you something from my own thoughts and opinions. I'm not trying to make you draw a conclusion to bring you on my side because this is what I was taught in school. I want you to come to the own conclusion from the word of God for yourself that you believe because the Bible says so that you believe every word of scripture is given by God. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. 2 Timothy, chapter number 3, and verse number 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. By the way, there are some people that do not believe that God gave us the words of Scripture. They believe that God gave us the thoughts and intents. So much so that they have changed in many modern English Bibles, verse 16, to come to the idea that all scripture that is inspired of God. Which implies that not all things in the Bible is inspired of God. Therefore, you need a spiritual guru to tell you what parts of scripture is inspired and what parts are not. Let me tell you, you don't need a spiritual guru you just need to believe what God says and trust God's word. You could study it for yourself. The Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher because he wrote the Bible. And we could trust in him. You could read the Bible for yourself. You do not need a priest or a guru or a scholar to tell you what the Bible says. You could read it for yourself and ask the author, what did he say? Because he wrote the Bible. And so this is an important fight, an important battle, because it's a battle over the Word of God. All I want to do is show you what the Bible says with the expectation that you'll make your own conclusion to this. 
Now we talked about verbal. That means the idea of the words. And then we talked about plenary. When you put it together with inspiration. Means each and every word is inspired of God. Now let's bring back to this word inspiration. We defined it this morning that it means God breathed. That God breathed the scriptures. That the same breath that God breathed into Adam to make him a living soul is the same breath that God breathed into this Bible to give it to us. God is the author, the originator of the scripture. And he's the one that gave them the words. And even the human Authors, the human penmen, realized that God was giving them the words. Now, here's a statement. If you have not written it down, write this down. God did not inspire the writers. The words were what was inspired. God did not inspire the writers. He inspired the words. Now, that's important to to originate because there are some in here that were not necessarily right with the Lord at the time of this. Solomon's a good example. Solomon is a man at the end of his life who's looking at his life and he writes down some wise things but God is using that to get across the words. It was holy men of God who wrote these things down. May I illustrate that even the uh, authors realized that it was God that was given scripture. Look with me back in 2 Peter. 2 Peter. This time look at chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter number 3. Again, I'm so thankful that you're here, you're listening, because I want you to come to your own conclusions. This is a big fight. And we have people from time to time who may disagree with us and they don't stay with us. That's fine. They can do whatever they want. But I want you to be convinced from the scriptures what the Bible has to say for the purpose that you can trust the Bible because it's God's word. Notice with me 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and notice with me in verse 15. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. And Account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. So it's talking, here's Peter. He's talking to the church here about Paul. And as he's talking about Paul, he's saying that Paul had written some letters. By the way, Paul was the human penman for 14 books of the New Testament. And so Peter's making reference to these books. Notice with me in verse 16. And also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, like the book of Hebrews, which they that are unlearned, an unstable rest. That word rest carries the idea to twist. To twist into a shape that you like. And here he's saying that, you know, Paul has given some writings. And these writings here that are hard to understand, meaning that you have to depend on God and have to trust God. That those who are unlearned and unstable, meaning there are people that haven't studied, haven't done a proper uh, application of how to interpret scripture. They're twisting it out of context, they're putting it to their own thing. People who are unstable, meaning they're not necessarily following the Lord, but they're following their own experiences, their own thing. They twist, they rest the scriptures to make it say what they want it to say. Here, Peter is giving warning of this. Notice again verse 16. As also in all his, Paul's epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Do you know what Peter just called Paul's epistles? Scriptures. He called them the holy writings. Here is Peter who lives at the same time. They didn't wait for Paul to be dead for a million years to say, Oh, I think this is scripture. Here is Peter who walked with God, talked with God, and God had trained him. Now as Paul has written these things, he's going back and saying, Let me tell you, the things that Paul wrote is scripture. He, Peter is saying, I'm recognizing this didn't come from Paul. This came from God. And we're recognizing publicly, this is 
Scripture. Now, this is a big deal. Why? Because so many people hate the Apostle Paul. There are people today that said, Paul was a male chauvinist, and all he did was write his own opinions. We don't have to follow what Paul says. Well, if you ignore what Paul says, then you also have to discount Peter. This is a big deal when you start discounting Peter because Paul wrote 14 books of the New Testament. Some people say not all of book, Paul's books were inspired. Well, that's taking 14 books of the New Testament. But you just don't stop there. Then you stop at Peter. Well, Peter said that they're, they're inspired. Now you cannot trust 1 Peter, 2 Peter. Now you can't trust the gospel record of Mark. Uh-oh. And the gospel record of Mark, which was inspired by Peter, also was the basis of Matthew and um, Luke. Uh-oh. Well, then you take away the whole entire New Testament if you will not accept the inspiration of the Apostle Paul. That Paul was used to give us each and every scripture. You say, well, I believe Paul was given scripture. Well, good. Enough that you would obey it? You see, that's where it comes to. That people don't want to obey the scripture. So what they'll do is they'll say, this is not inspired. And they'll start taking scripture away. Well, if it's not inspired, I don't have to obey it because I don't have to obey man's opinion. You, you, I'm starting to try to show you the danger of this. That we either believe the Bible's the word of God or we come to the place where we could pick and choose what we believe or what we don't believe. And that is dangerous. This is why the inspiration of scripture and understanding what we mean by it is so important. We believe the Bible teaches that God inspired, God gave the very words of scripture. Which words? Each and every word of scripture. We believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of God. Let me show you a couple more things. Turn with me if you don't mind to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We saw what Peter had to say about this, but let's turn to Jesus himself. Jesus, of course, everything he said was inspired, surely. So let's see what Jesus has to say on the matter. G John chapter number 5. John chapter 5. And notice with me in verse number 46. John chapter 5 and verse number 46. Jesus is speaking for had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Here Jesus tied his words to scripture. He said, if you won't believe Moses, by the way, we gave him the words. If you won't believe him, you're not going to believe me. Because of the words God's the one who was behind each of the words. God was the one who gave this. Now some people believe that the human penman, that God gave the human penmen's just thoughts and opinions. The, the actual thoughts. And that the human penmen were free to clothe these thoughts as they saw fit. To dress them up, to put meat on the bone. That God gave them the skeleton, God gave them the outline and they kind of filled it in. Now this train of thought will easily lead to the statement that God, that the Bible contains the word of God rather than the idea that this is the word of God. You understand there's a big difference there. If this contains the word of God, then we have to find out which parts of the word of God and which parts are man's opinion. But because of the idea of verbal plenary inspiration of scripture, we believe that each and every word is God's word. That God gave us these words. That God did not just give them the thoughts and intents. He gave them the words. In fact, there are times that he gave them the words without giving them the thought meanings. What do you mean by that? Well, turn with me, if you don't mind, back to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. There are times that God gave the human penmen the words, and when they got the words, they go, what does this mean? That means God's the one who said, write this down. He didn't say, let me give you an outline and you kind of flesh it out. He said, you write this down. Let me give you the words. Notice with me, if you don't mind, 1 Peter chapter 1. Notice with me in verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets 
have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it, the Spirit, testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. What does that mean? Here, God said, Isaiah, write this down. Yes, sir. Oh, man, this is good. What does this mean? God says, search it out for yourself. I'm not going to tell you right now. It's for later. What? You mean God told human penmen to write things down they didn't understand? Oh, yes. yes. And they spent the rest of the time searching their own writings trying to figure out, God told me something about Christ. I want to understand this. I'm going to search this diligently. It talked about that, that they searched diligently. They were inquiring. They were saying of the prophecy of the grace that should come. I want to know more about the promises of this Messiah. I want to know more about this. Did God, Isaiah know completely what he said about unto you a child is given? No, not at all. He said, I know a little bit about this, but I don't know how it's going to be fleshed out. I don't know exactly how God's going to do it. This is great. When he talked about Jeremiah, he gave some things to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah wrote this down and said, God, what, what is this about? Don't worry, that's for later. I don't want to spoil her. What? Let me show it to you in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 12. Now again, I'm proving the point that God gave the words of Scripture, not the thoughts and intents. And it is proven that the Bible writers sometimes did not understand what God had given them to write down. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter number 12. And notice with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse 8. Daniel chapter 12, this is the end of the prophecy. God has given Daniel quite a bit about the future events. What's going to happen in the 400 years of silence. Daniel didn't understand everything that was going on. And so Daniel, being close to God, asked. That's a good question. Ask. Notice with me Daniel chapter 12 and verse 8. And I heard, but I understood not. Here's Daniel who's got through seeing the vision, and he said, I don't understand this. Then said I, oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? That's a good thing. He says, I don't understand this. So I asked, God, tell me about this. Notice the reply, verse 9. And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and the seal till the time of the end. Daniel, you don't need to know right now. You just were supposed to write it down. We'll show you later. Daniel wrote down things he did not understand. Showing once again, just emphasizing that God gave us the very words of Scripture. And that we can trust the very words of Scripture. Now you say, what do I do with this? Well, first of all, I want you to come to your own conviction about what the Bible has to say concerning itself. That God gave us the Scriptures and not just the Scriptures, but He gave us every word of Scripture. We'll say, okay, good. That's good. Then what? Then... If you believe that God gave you every word of Scripture, you know what you should be doing? Reading every word of Scripture. Every word? That means in Leviticus? Yeah. The law. Absolutely. You mean 1 Chronicles chapter 1 through 9 when it goes through all the begats and begats and begats? Oh yeah. Every word is given by inspiration. Even the stuff I don't know. I read Ezekiel and I have no idea what happened there. Good, a lot of people don't. Read it anyways. God has a, we can trust him that he knows what he's doing. And that his word, he has given to us each and every word. Now, why is this important? Because God knew what he was saying. Do you think when God was thinking about creation, he was like, okay, uh, let there be something. I, it's kind of like bright and it's kind of shiny. I can't think of the words. I got writer's block. Or do you think that God knew exactly what he meant and was able to say what he meant? Let there be light. God did not have writer's block and he didn't come to the place where he said, I don't know how to describe this. I don't know how to put this down. But in fact, God knew which word to choose and to give that exact word. By the way, that means we can't improve on it. 
we could trust God's word and that what God gave in his word was exactly what he meant. You can trust God's word. You have confidence. Now, if God gave us all scripture, we should not only read it, but we should also plan on obeying it. That means Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul hated women. Apostle Paul didn't hate women. In fact, in the Bible, Christian womanhood has an exalted place, an elevated spot. But there are some people who have a different philosophy. And because their philosophy doesn't match the Bible, the Bible has to be wrong. They can't be wrong. Well, whenever you come to something in conflict between your belief, your, your thoughts and opinions in the Bible, defer to the Bible. What does the Bible have to say? Bible is right. We can be wrong. We can trust God's words. We can depend upon God's word. And we have to be settled that this is indeed the scriptures. Now, by the way, that also means there are times that we have to defend the Bible. Meaning, listen, I understand that you may want to do this and you may, but I'm going to stick with the old book. I'm going to stick with what the Bible says. I'm going to trust God's word. Also, by the way, and by the way, these are going to branch off into messages we're going to have in the next couple weeks. If God's word exactly what he wanted, and God was smart enough to give us each and every word, perhaps we should use the very words of scripture in our own vocabulary. Learning to speak the very words of scripture to explain spiritual things. For example, there are some people who like the saying, once saved, always saved. And what they imply by that is that you could go ahead and say a little prayer and then do whatever you want and you're safe. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we have eternal life. We have everlasting life. And when we get that everlasting life, we just don't get fire insurance. There are things that accompany salvation, including a brand new father. And that brand new father will take us outside the woodshed. He will not allow us to continue in sin. You see, the words of scripture have more authority, more weight, and more power than anything we could come up with. That's an application for later. There's a lot of applications for here. But the thing I want you to have nailed down tonight is for you to have the conviction from the word of God, not me, but from the word of God, that God gave us the scriptures. And not just the scriptures as a whole or as a concept, but that God gave us each and every word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Holy men of God spake or as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It is God who gave us his word. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.